It's great to see you here this morning. Here this week and next week, we're going to uh, continue on in this series called "God More Than Three Letter Word," and then we're going to uh, embark in a whole new series uh, coming in September. And so uh, today, I want to share with you uh, some thoughts about God's work getting done, God's work always getting done, but Him inviting us in on that process. And as I do that, or before I do that, I want to ask you a question. And the question is this: If you had twenty-four hours to live, what would you do? If you knew. For sure, like let's say you went to the doctor and somehow they knew for sure that you had 24 hours to live. They looked you square in the eye and he said, you've got 24 hours to live. What would you do? Think about it. You don't have to really uh, say it out loud but like we did last week, but what would you, what would you do? you got 24 hours. You spend 23 of them crying or repenting. <laughs> what would you do? 24 hours to live. What would you do? Um, many of you know this uh, back in the day. Um, I did a two year internship uh, in Toledo. And I don't, um, the, my mentor was one of these individuals that I don't know if you've had one of these, and hopefully you have, because this is kind of like what we've been talking about. But my mentor was someone, one of these individuals that, um, let me say this we're really good friends now. Or today, I should say, not now, we've always been good friends. We still have a great relationship. But he's one of these individuals that God placed in my life. And, and after a while, you realize that if there was any, like later on, you realize if there was, had been anybody else in your life, you might not have heard some of the things that they said. You know what I'm talking about? So essentially, some of the things that they say are things that hurt at the time, but they're, but they're real. Not that they're there to hurt you, but they're there to say things that you want to hide behind. Things that, uh, you know what I mean, things that, that's in your life that God wants to expose, that God wants to work on, that God wants to, uh, to, to, to uh, help you to heal in or to become uh, more of the person He's created you to be. And God places someone in your life that's, that, that makes you stare at that ugly thing that you got in the closet. Uh, that was one of these individuals. And, and I've shared this with you before, but there were times where I would leave uh, uh, and go home uh, in tears and just ready to, just wanting to kill the guy, you know. Uh, and I'd tell my wife what took place, and she would look at me and say, well, he could have said it differently, but he has a point, you know. <laughs> and that hurt. I mean, that really hurt. But I want to tell you something. I really thank God for my wife and my mentor, because I, as I look back, um, those, those were two years of my life that really enabled me to, to um, begin to understand how to open up and to live more in a vulnerable state. Uh, but nevertheless, I remember one time, I always had these Friday afternoon meetings with him, and I dreaded them a lot of times, because I would always, uh, you know, I never knew where they were going to go. Um, and like I said, we have a great relationship. We did even then, too. But um, I remember one Friday afternoon, I went in his office, and he asked me this question, Gail, if you had 24 hours left to live, what would you do? And of course, I thought about it for a little bit, and as usual, I started down a path I shouldn't go down, you know, because my... Obviously, it wasn't what he was thinking, I should say. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but I started saying stuff like, well, I'd spend time with my family. I'd do this, do that, do this. And it's not that those things are wrong, nor was he saying they were wrong. But the point of the question was, uh, you should be living your life so focused, so mission-minded, that you really wouldn't change anything. That that's what you would be doing regardless. Does that make sense? Now, some of us would say, oh, okay. Which is what, kind of what I did. So I said, I, I was like, oh, okay, so you're telling me that if you had a haircut planned for the day, you'd still get a haircut? And he's like, yeah, I would. I'm like, oh, please. You know, like, you would, you know, like if you were planning on cutting your lawn that day, you'd still cut your grass? Yeah, I'd do that. I'm like, there's no way. In which, after a while, after my personality kicked in there, after a while, he's like, 
kind of got frustrated with me and dismissed it and said I took it too literal. And I'm like, well, how else am I supposed to take the question? You know, this is, you're asking me a personal question. But again, the point of the question is this, and it's not just semantics. It's not just like to get into an argument or to get into a debate and to, to hide behind walls, but it's to say this. How are you living your life? Do you live your life with that type of uh, anticipation or that type of um, um, uh, focus? And mission-minded. Um, you know, if I would ask you this question, if I would ask you, how would you describe your life right now? Using one word, how would you describe your life? Would you say chaotic? Would you say busy? Would you say purpose-driven? Would you say mission-minded? Would you say laser-focused? Would you say, you know, what would you, what would you say? You know, in just a couple words, how would you describe your life? And essentially, that's what I want to talk to you about today because uh, it's no secret, but the effectiveness in life is having focus, extreme focus on what is really important. In fact, Jesus made this statement in John chapter 17, verse 4, in the NIV translation, he says this to the Father, he says a prayer, he says, I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. That's being very focused. Where at the end of his life, Jesus was able to make these statements, Father, I've brought you glory. Father, I've complete, because I've completed the work that you've asked me to do. How else would we stay, say that? Father, my mission in life is accomplished. The mission that you sent me on, what you've asked me to do, the way that you've created me, everything that you've done in and through my life, has I've, I've fulfilled that. I have pointed my life in that direction. I have lived my life with that type of focus. God, or Father, I'm bringing you glory because my life here on earth is complete. Guys, I don't know about you, but that's the prayer I'd like to have. I wish that my life was like that. And that's what, I'm, that's what I work towards. But I pray and I hope that at the end of my life that I can stand and say, God, I've done what you've asked me to do. God, I understand. I understood many years ago the life that you were calling me to. I understood the vision. I understood the mission that you have for my life. And God, I know that I made mistakes. God, I, knew, I, I know that I got, off, I got off track a couple times here and there. But God, for the most part, I have tried to live my life to, fulfill, to bring you glory and to fulfill the vision or the mission that you had for my life, the purpose that you had for my life. Could you describe that? I mean, would that, would that describe your life today? You know, do you hope that you can say that at the end of your life? That was the end of Jesus' life, and he said, you know what? I've brought you glory because of that. Another individual by the name of Paul. Some of us would argue and say, well, that was Jesus, right? He was God. He could do that. He had all these, you know, he could do that. Let me share with you Paul's statement. Paul says this in Acts 20, verse 24, in another translation. He said this, I only want to complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. Does that describe the desires of your heart? That is a challenge. <laughs> that is a stretch, man. That is something that's out there that says, this is what God is calling each and every one of us as followers of Him, is to, is to understand that mission, to understand the work that He has for us, and that, that, is that we are so singular focused that we will build our lives upon that, and when we can say, I, my, you know, I only want to complete my mission and finish the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do. Guys, that is my prayer. That's my prayer for each and every one of you too. That we become individuals that is that focused, that has that much, that, that, that we understand our purpose. I believe that God has that purpose for every single one of us in this room today. 
That's not a purpose that's for disciples where we'd say, well, if you're a disciple, that's the type of purpose you should have for your life. Or if you're a pastor or you're a missionary or all these other things. Guys, as a child of God, that's the journey we're supposed to be on. And we're going to, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about that, that mission, that vision. Because just like we talked about last week, I think there are times where God brings us to that, to that, to that fork in the road where He says, what, what, what are you going to do here? Because you got some things, you got some things that are not... You know, I want to challenge you a couple things. Because you got some things that you're really building your life upon. you got some things that you're really focused on that, that, that are taking you off point. And so I'm asking you, what are you going to do with those things? Well, you know, and, and hopefully our lives won't be like uh, the rich young ruler where we just kind of walk away sad because there's no way we can live up to that challenge. But hopefully we're, we're, we're engaging with God and we're saying, God, by the help of your Holy Spirit, that's what I want to work towards. And so today, uh, I want to share with you a couple thoughts about our vision, or, or not our vision, but our mission, our purpose in life. The first one is this, uh, the, the question that we need to ask ourselves is this, uh, the mission that you have for your life or that you're trying to discover, how are you trying to discover that? How are you, what are you doing or how do I discover my life mission? How, do, if you say, well, I do have a mission for my life, how did you discover that? How did you, you know, what, what pointed you in that direction? How did you find, and you say, you know what? I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is the mission for my life. Where did you get that from? How did you, how did you ascertain that? Or if you don't have a mission and you're still struggling with that, you're, you may think, you may ask yourself the question today, that's the million-dollar question I have for my life that I keep wrestling with. Well, there's two ways that you can come up with that come up with the answer to that. You can come up through it through speculation or revelation. Speculation is this. Speculation is what a lot of people do. They just do that. They speculate what their life mission is. Well, I think it's this. You know what I think is this, and what will you know? What a lot of people do, they'll go surround themselves with a lot of other people that are speculating and and conject, you know, uh, coming up with things uh, through conjecture and and guessing and kind of theorizing, debating, and they sit around, they kind of talk about it, and they you know they'll struggle with something, so they'll speculate some more, and they'll talk about some other, and they'll just speculate, speculate, speculate. The only problem with speculating is it's just that it's speculating, it's guessing. Whose authority says, you know, by what authority do you say, okay, well that speculation is correct? Or the speculation, your speculation that you just gave me. That's a fun word to say after a while. Speculation. After, you know, you speculate uh, what you're going to do in life. Here's the, the problem is you just kind of sit around and debate that particular, those questions that we all have. What am I here for? Where am I going? What is the purpose in life? What is the meaning for my life? Is this it? Am I on the right, the right road? And on and on and on. Again, the problem is you're just guessing and you're debating. Now, Here's the other side of it. The creator of this world, God, has given us a way to understand what our mission in life is. And that's through revelation. That's where God reveals it to us. But the, the, as you can imagine, the challenge of, of, of getting God's revelation of our mission in life is that we've got to do what? We've got to spend time with God so that God can reveal it to us. We've got to spend time in God's Word. We've got to, you know, because God has chosen His Word, the Bible, to reveal Himself to us, to reveal our purpose in life, to answer these questions. Why am I here? What's my meaning in life? What's my purpose? God's Word addresses every single one of those questions. God reveals Himself through His Word. By the way, um, 
uh, in just kind of uh, you know basic Christianity 101 or theology 101, we're taught that God reveals Himself in two different ways. Paul tells us this in Romans. He reveals Himself to us in general revelation, and He reveals us to us reveals Himself to us through specific revelation. General revelation, as Paul says, is that man was, is without excuse. As you look around the world, as you look at creation, as you look at the stars, as you look at birth, as you look at all these things, the the gospel of God, the message of God, God Himself is screaming out to us saying, I am here, I am God. And Paul says through creation, man is without excuse. God has, has generally or you know through a general way revealed himself but then he goes on to say this that God has also specifically revealed himself to us through the image and through the through the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ where Jesus came and he was God he told the disciples the question came up how do we know where you're going how do we even know you know the father and Jesus says this to one of them he says you've seen me therefore you've seen the father i am god what you see is God. I'm reve- God revealing Himself to mankind through flesh and blood. That's the same way God reveals His mission, His purpose to each and every one of us sitting in this room. If we truly want to know why we're here, if we truly want to know our purpose in life, if we truly want to be, when we get to the end of our life, hopefully even before that, where we want to answer that question that says, or, or that statement or that thought that says, I am bringing God glory. God will reveal to us exactly and specifically where we fall into that and what our mission in life is. We discover our God-created identity. Where do we get that from, though? Where did you get it from? The way you're living your life, what you're basing it on, your values. Again, going back to last week, your values, all of that. What are, where did you get those from? What, how, you know, you're basing your life upon those things. Listen to what Ephesians 5.17 says. Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly, but try hard or, but try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. So, the first question we need to answer uh, if we're going to uh, be able to, to, have, you know, to, to glorify God with our lives is to discover our life mission. The second one is this. What will be the center of my life? What will be at the center of my life? In other words, who or what am I going to live for? Live for? We have to start with that. What am I going to center my life around? That is the starting point. There are a lot of options, too. We can center our lives around our jobs. We can center our lives around our careers. Or, uh, uh, same, you can center your life around your family or, your, or money or um, a hobby or whatever it is, a sport. You name it. You can center your life around anything. Some of those things aren't inherently bad. There's nothing wrong with those things. When it becomes wrong is when we take those things and place them at the center of our lives. That's when it's wrong. There's only one thing that should be at the center of our lives, and that's Jesus Christ. And when we begin to live our lives with, the, with Him at the center, then everything else falls into place. I, I just had a conversation this week. Someone was asking me, you know, telling me, they said, you need to be very careful because your family and, and listed a couple other things they thought I should prioritize or the way I should prioritize them. And a lot of times, I think in our Western mindset, that's how we see things, more in a, a linear type of mindset or whatever, where we have one, two, three, four, A, B, C, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? And so at the top, well, we've got to have God at the top, right? And then after God, hmm, should it be, what should it be then? My family? Okay, let's put the family right there. You know what I'm saying? I think we need to take a different look at it and say Jesus needs to be at the center and everything around is managed through the lenses of Jesus Christ. 
That's when things seem to make sense. All of my other responsibilities, all the other things that I'm called to do seem to fall more into place when Jesus is at the center, when I'm not in control, but He's in control, and I'm allowing Him to guide and direct my life, and He is at the very core, at the center of of, of my life. It helps us to keep focus in everything that we do. Here's the first purpose, and we talked a little bit about this last week. The first purpose that God has given for every individual alive today is this, to know Him. Every single one of us sitting in here, the very first thing in life for us to, to, to really tackle is to know Him, to have this intimate love relationship with Him. Do you realize, do you realize that you were created so that you can experience God's love? That's pretty powerful. That you were created just for the simple fact that you could experience God's love. God is love. God is love. He wants to know you. He wants to have this relationship with you. He wants to have this love relationship with you in the sense of you've been created as an object of God's love. The Bible says that God is love and He made you simply to love you. And the reason you're alive is that the Bible teaches that God made you so that He can love you. And that's amazing in itself. But more than that, God wants you to know Him and love Him back. He wants that type of relationship with you. Matthew 22, Jesus says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength, or with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He says this is the top priority. Having me at the center. If you don't do anything else in life, learn to love God. Why? Proverbs 9.10 says this, Knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. Maybe we try to figure things out aside from Christ more and that's what gets us in trouble. Instead of saying, I want to know God. And I want to know God so that in every other area of my life, I'm going to have understanding because that's what it's all about to begin with. Another question I want to share with you or ask you is this, or have you think about is this. What will be the character of my life? What am I going to be? Uh, God is far more concerned about what you're going to be than what you're going to do. That's the second purpose for any individual. God said, you know, God created us for this intimate love relationship, and He says that He made us to become like Christ in His character. Romans 8.28 says, For from the very beginning God decided that those who came to Him should become like His Son. God wants you to learn, like, to, learn to think like Jesus. God wants you to learn to talk like Jesus. God wants you to learn to act like Jesus, His Son. Have the character of Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 2 that we should have the same mindset, the same attitude. It should be, all should be the same as, as, as Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to earth to become a human so that we could be, see that kind of character that God has, that godly character, and that's what He wants us to have. Now, if we're going to become like Jesus... Do you think there's going to be times where God's going to take us through some of the same circumstances as Jesus? I think so. I don't think God's going to ask you to die on the cross for the sins of the world. I don't think that that one, so we'll let you have that one, right? But let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus ever was lonely? Absolutely. Do you think Jesus was ever criticized by other people? Absolutely. Do you think Jesus was ever tempted to do things? Tempted? Absolutely, the Bible teaches us that. Criticized, uh, misunderstood, tempted. Do you think there were times that Jesus got really fatigued and tired? Absolutely, the Bible teaches us that. How about a time when he was ever tempted, that he was discouraged, could possibly be discouraged and tempted to give up? 
How about the very last time when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was getting ready to pray, or he was praying, and he looks to the, he prays to the Father and he says this, Father, if there's any other way, would you provide that way? Do you think it's a glimpse into his personality, into his mindset, into his emotions? I believe that 100%. His humanness, where he said, God, this is, this is tough. I mean, when we read that, in, I think a lot of times we take Jesus and we just kind of we glamorize him. Now, take that for what I'm trying to say here. We, take, we strip him of his humanity. Whereas the man was in the garden and it says he was praying so hard that blood was coming out of his pores. Or he was crying blood. There was, he was so passionate. But he said this. He says, at first he said, if there's any other way, could you please provide that? And he says then, but it's not about me, my words. It's not about me, it's about you, God. It's not my will, but yours be done. God the Father says, I want you to become like my son. I want you to have that same character. So guys, maybe there's times where Jesus or God's going to take us through difficult times. He's going to allow things to happen within our lives so that if we would allow, and the Bible clearly talks about this in, in um, James and a couple other places about trials and temptations, that if we go through the trials and temptations and we process them properly, it adds perseverance and it adds maturity and character and all of those things. Peter talks about this as well. I think there's times where God will do that so that we can become more like Him. Hopefully we're leaning that way and we're looking that way to become more like Him through that process. But the question is, what will be the character of your life? Are you going to have the same attitude of Christ? Are you going to have the same mindset of Christ? Are you going to have the same heart of Christ? Are you going to see people like Christ did? Will we, and continues to, but will we be the, what will my character be in life? Another big question I think we need to address in order to be able to, at the end of our life, or at some point say, you know, I've brought you glory, is this. What will be the contribution of my life? In other words, what am I going to do with my God-given talents? We weren't just put here to waste our talents on ourselves. The Bible's very clear of that, our giftedness on ourselves. We're here to make a difference in our world. We're here to, 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 we were put here to leave the world in a better place. Now, how many of you were in the Boy Scouts? Anybody? Okay. I could have sworn in the Boy Scouts. Let me start that way that there was something they said that you leave the place as you found it. Is that correct or no? No one's, that's not correct? I could have sworn that was it. Well, like I told the first service, in West Virginia, in the Boy Scouts, okay, which I was not part of, but I know this is what they believed, all right? I remember, well, let me say this. Uh, growing up in West Virginia, we did a lot of hiking and mountain biking and things like that. A lot of, you know, just a lot of outdoor stuff. I remember being taught at an early age, and just, it was just a way of growing up. You never went in and just trashed the joint, okay? You never went in, hiked around, and just trashed it and things like that. You always took out what you brought in. Is that what they say? There it is. Okay. That's, that's my point here. That somehow this is my point, okay? I hope you're tracking with me because I'm really struggling right now. The point is this. 
We're not really called to come into this world and leave it the way we found it and then, you know, and then leave, leave it and it's the same way. We're called into this world to make an impact. We're called into this world to make a difference. We're called into this world to shed light, to shed hope, to shed Jesus Christ, to give God glory. That's why we were created. One of the reasons why we're created. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says this, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Here's the, here's the thought, though, for me. I've grown up in the church. My dad's a pastor. I grew up in the church for a, for a long time. I have never, ever, ever been in a church and seen followers of Jesus Christ, where, and the Bible teaches us this, that God gives at least at least one gift to his, to his followers, okay? At least one gift to each and every one of, 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 his, of his children, of his followers. I have, throughout my whole life, I have never, ever, ever, ever seen... A person just possess one gift. It just seems like God just literally unfolds these, these talents and these blessings and this giftedness on the people. The problem is, a lot of times we waddle through life and muddle through life focused on everything else but that, and we never come in contact with it to realize how God has blessed and so uniquely created each and every one of us. What will be your contribution in life? The giftedness the talents, the desires, things like that that God has given you to use to bring Him glory, how will you contribute those in life, or will you be a consumer? Now that's where we see a lot of stuff, is the consumer. We live in a society that is so consumeristic. We live in a society that's so materialistic and consuming that says, here I am, feed me. Here I am, service me. We go into restaurants. If our food is not prepared the exact right way, we will get up and leave, right? We're not happy. We won't tip the person. If something doesn't go our way, we will say, that's it. I don't want this. I'm out of here. I am a consumer. I want what I want. Okay, now some of that's not may not be horrible. The problem is we bring that mindset into the church, and that's exactly what we do. Here I am. Feed me. I don't like this. Change it. I don't like this. You need to get rid of it. I don't like that. Here's the problem, guys. When you start adding up everybody that says, here I am, feed me, do you realize how hard it is to do that? Now our mission and the vision of our church has become, let's make the people happy. The problem with that is, the problem with that is, that's not what God has called us to do. Secondly, that's impossible. That's insanity. The question is, what will be the contribution of your life? Are you a consumer? Is it all about you? Or are you coming to the table? Are you coming into the body and you're saying, here I am. How can I serve? How can I encourage How can I lift this person up over here? Because our gifts and our talents were given so that the body could be built up. The body. The local body. Every single one of us sitting here is the body of Jesus Christ. Your giftedness, your talents, everything the way that God has made each and every one of you is not for you. It's for the person sitting next to you and around you. What contribution do you bring to the body? That's what God is calling us to. What contribution do you bring? And that shape is, is discovered through different ways. Now let me share this with you real quick because this is kind of a soapbox for me. 
that shape, somehow, I think sometimes when we come into the church, we, we have this ability to take our brains out of our skull and kind of set it to the side and then come in and then put them back in as we leave. I think we make it too difficult, guys. God gives us gifts. He gives us talents. He gives us a heart. He gives us desires. He gives us, he creates us uniquely. That's why we talked about our God-given identity, understanding that. How has God wired you uniquely? Because you're going to be able to reach people that I can't reach. You're going to have desires that I don't have desires for. And guys, I'll say this. I'm human, and I may take this passage out of context. I don't think I am. But one of the things that I get really upset about is when in a church, we'll take a verse found in Acts that said, and they were all in one accord. And some people will say, you see, everybody has to agree on everything. What? That doesn't make sense. Now you're telling me that God has created all of us alike? That we're all going to agree on one thing? I think the singular purpose we need to have is the singular purpose of Jesus Christ and bringing Him glory. But you're telling me that I have to like the same music that you like? Or I have to dress the same way you dress? Or I have to watch the same TV shows that you watch? Or I have to, I mean, you name it. Where does it stop? But they were all in one accord. Accord, they were all in one, And when you use that, it's almost saying the one that's got the most boisterous opinion is the one that they're all going to be in accord with, right? Because no one wants to go up against that person. I think, we're taking that, I think we're taking that verse out of context. I think God has uniquely and, and creatively wired every single one of us. You're going to be, you guys are going to be able to reach some people. that I can, you're, Some of the passions and desires that you have, instead of taking those and saying, well, I don't understand how those fit. In the, you're going to be able to have conversations with individuals about that that I can't have. Because I'm not into that thing. I'm not into the same thing. But your life song, your contribution in life comes out through that. And that brings us to the last point is this. What will be the communication of your life? What will be your life song? This means your life message. You probably have never thought about this, but did you know that God wants to speak to the world directly through you? Now some of you may say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a disciple. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a missionary, so God probably doesn't want to use me to speak to the world. Yes, He does. Every single one of us in this room has a life song, which means it's, the, it's your life message. And some of your songs are very beautiful, and some of them you're still searching, and you're off-key right now, okay? But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is the general message is that God made us to tell others about Him. And if we know about Him, then it's our, it's our duty and our privilege to tell other people about Him. This good news. We pass it on. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're not, we're not there to debate and argue and things like that. But we're sharing with people what God has done in our lives. We're sharing our life story. And t- I'll tell you, one of the most encouraging life stories that I ever hear from people is the point we just talked about. Is where when someone comes in and he says... You know, let me share with you my life. Let me share with you my life song. I used to be a consumer. I came to church and I hated this, 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 and this. I thought everything should line up to what I want, and I started to discover that that's not what God wants in my life. That it's about God, and God shifted my mind. Which, by the way, only God can do that. That's why we have words called paradigm shifts. There's no way anybody else can change your mind. I think, except for God. Okay. But we have these paradigm shifts. We have this, this life 
altering thing that takes place with inside of us where our life song changes. And, and we sit down and we have this conversation. And someone, like I said, someone says, I used to be a consumer. And now, here I am. How can I fit in? I'm a contributor. I see where I was wrong. I see where everything was about me. I see where I thought that the world revolved around me and not God. And so, for me, that's the message that's shared. Let me, you, you share that with others. You share that life song with you. But in addition to all that, God has given you this unique message that He wants you to share based on your particular background, your desires, your talents, your passions, your heart, all of these things. The way He wired you, they're based upon your values and based on the interests that He gave you. Your life message will be influenced by your all of these things. Your life song will be influenced by all of those things. God wants to use you specifically to, to, to communicate that song to a world that needs hope so desperately and needs to hear about Him. Does that make sense? So I go back to the original question. If you had 24 hours to live, is there a lot you would change? Or are you living spot on? You know, Can you honestly say, God, I've brought you glory here on earth by completing the work that you have assigned to me?